You're listening to Having a Chat, the show where we talk to interesting people with interesting taste in music about the music that they love. I'm Alex Spears, and throughout the course of doing this show, I have become endlessly fascinated with the idea of writing the perfect pop tune. Now, in my opinion, there are a few people who do it better than today's guest, Ralph. Ralph is a fantastic Toronto-based singer-songwriter who's putting out lots of really, really cool, dancey, electronic, 80s-inspired music. I've been enjoying her tunes a ton lately, so we're really excited to have Ralph with us to chat about some music. This is Having a Chat. Ralph, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Like being on a podcast is basically my dream because I love to talk. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll give you plenty of opportunity to talk at length. <laughs> Feel free to cut me off when you need yeah. to. Um, the first thing I wanted to talk to you about was um, your your record label, Rich Man Records. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone who due to a lack of creativity but a passion for music i i often sort of find myself on the sort of the business side of music mm. and talking to people about you know starting labels why they start labels um is something that that i always find interesting so could you uh walk me through like what uh what motivated this uh starting this label and uh how you've been finding it so far yeah, well, um, you know, I was signed to 604 Records, uh, who are based in Vancouver. And, um, you know, it was actually like a really solid deal with them. And they were great people and gave us a lot of room to insert our own creativity. Like what I liked about them was that they were like, yeah, look, you already have a pre-established thing going here and it's going well. You have your own people to your creative team. Like we're not going to try to... Right. you know, insert ourselves in there. But if you need help or if you need anything, like we're here for, for that. And I like that that was really nice. And as far as record labels go, I think that's really hard to find. But um, I don't know. I think it got to a point where, uh, so my my manager, Lori, is like a dear friend of mine. We've been working together since the beginning of Ralph. It's been like, I don't know, like six years. And we have worked like so, so hard independently. Um and I think we realized that we just wanted the autonomy of running our own ship and we could do it. Cause we, we'd also like, at this point, it's true. Like we have curated such a solid team of people that we work with. Um, and we didn't, we just, yeah, we just kind of wanted to have the complete autonomy. Um, and we also love the idea of, you know, not only having like a record label where we can work with artists and put out music that we love and believe in. But we really like the idea, especially being women in music um, of like creating sort of like a safe space, right. um, sort of this like space, this, this, this like hub of, um, of safety um, for artists who are, you know, um, artists of color, queer women, um, just because like, you know, this, the music industry yeah. is still largely like male dominant and it can be a really intimidating place. We wanted to create this kind of safe hub um, and, and also like empower and, and work with people and hire people. And, um, and we wanted to be the, yeah, the people who like created that space and helped run it. And, um, yeah, we just feel passionately about, uh, you know, having, I think also like, because music is such a, it's an amazing 
industry to work in, but it's very volatile. I think for us, it's also kind of like sustaining ourselves and making sure that we are looking out for ourselves um, as not just artist manager and artist, but making sure that we also have our hands kind of in all of these other little honeypots that we can kind of continue our careers in music and also like flex all of the things that we love to do that we don't get to do in our roles. Like I, I studied um, film theory in school and like, I love being a part of the production of like music videos and, and, and kind of like the branding and the aesthetic visuals for an artist. And I want to be able to like, if there's an artist who we find, who's like, yeah, you know, I love making music, but I'm not really sure what my image is. I'm not really sure what my brand is. I don't know who I want to work with. Like, I love the idea of, of helping guide an artist and kind of finding the right people for them and kind of creating their team. So that's the goal with Rich Band Records. Yeah. yeah it's funny. Like, it seems to me, it's kind of refreshing to hear you say all that because like, it's, it seems to me like more often than not when people are starting their own label or kind of going at it on their own, it's because of a negative experience. Mm. Trying to like sort of go against that negative experience and make sure that they never have to right. that negative experience again. So it's kind of nice to hear that like this was not born out of a negative experience. This was just born out of a seemingly a pure desire to just create a better space for artists and to flex your own creative muscles. And I think that like, you know, it's true. Like it's not born out of a negative experience, but I will say that like, if I tried to tell you all of my negative experiences with men in music, I literally couldn't, it would be the entire podcast. And I have like, I'm lucky because I'm not 17, you know, and when you're an artist and you get treated like a piece, like an object or like a piece of meat. And, um, you know, I can only speak from like a a female perspective in that regard, but like, yeah, it's, it was, it's just, I don't want to have that be like the norm. And so, um, and, and Lori is the same. So I think for us, like all of the negative experiences that we have been through, um, as women in music kind of fueled us to be like, and that's kind of also like the tongue in cheek name of the label, you know, neither of us are, big rich men um <laughs> but we hope to be <laughs> yeah one day one day <laughs> you'll get yeah. there well and it, yeah it's interesting because i mean like i some like I'm, I'm i'm fairly close with the with the gals or some of the gals in the beaches and like certainly the stories that i've heard from them and you know just e- even from some like older folks who have been around for for like you know decades yeah it, it it's it's really cool to to hear that like you know folks like you are are you know, trying to do your part to make sure that that does not happen going forward. Yeah, that's the goal. Yeah. Um, so uh, the first song of yours that I want to explore is Love Potion. Mm-hmm. What can you uh, What can you tell us about this song? So Love Potion was actually written, like most of the songs on my new EP were all written within, I'd say like seven months of each other. And Love Potion was actually written... I don't know, like, I don't like months before I basically, it, it was a song that wasn't necessarily part of that kind of like, okay, let's write this EP. It just kind right. of came about. Um, I was, so I wrote Gravity with a producer named T and my friend Dave, who uh, is an artist also, DCF. And um, I writes a lot of songs with me. And so they're like my, like, they're like my radio guys. They're like my team and they're so fun to write with. And so I went in to have another session with them because um, Gravity did so well. And I had just watched Midsummer the night before. And, oh, like the horror movie. Yeah. Right. And, um, and there was this, I mean, amongst many scenes <laughs> that stayed in my mind, although I didn't actually find it scary. Um, 
I find it cinematically fascinating. Um, and like the ultimate like revenge film is how right, like okay. like the she gets revenge on her ex boyfriend. Yeah. Um, but anyways, there was a scene um, where like the women in the cult uh, feed this like tincture to um, the the dude, the main like boyfriend dude, and um, and I was thinking about it made me think about the like the concept of like love potions and love spells within film and television and music and how there's this like love potion trope that has been around for a long time so I like went down this like nerdy songwriter kind of like hole of like looking up where did this come from how long has it been around for um and of course it was bred from like the medieval times where people believed that women were witches and that they were using love spells to make men fall in love with them and that they were powerful and um sinful and we had to burn them and anyway so I went into this songwriting session being like okay hear me out. <laughs> I'm interested in writing a song for radio um, about Love Potion. You know, we kept it light. Um, when we were doing the the music video, we were also like, okay, we want to make sure that like the concept of two people agreeing to drink the Love Potion right. consent is clear. Yes, um, of course. So as you'll notice in the video, uh, me and my alien lover both agreed to drink the potion. So it's like a mutual kind of trip instead right. of just me drugging him. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was kind of it. It was like, it, it, it's funny with songwriting. Sometimes like inspiration comes from really random stuff. Yeah. And, and that's where it came from, from Midsummer. Well, and it's so funny. Like, I, I've been so, t- like, I, I can't handle scary movies, but everyone has said yeah. that it's like, as you say, like cinematically just so brilliant. Yeah, like, cool. I, I think, uh, since I'm gonna I'm gonna take your word for it that it's not that scary. <laughs> if I have like nightmares, I may. Uh... No, it's like it's not scary. Like like you know like people jumping out of the corners and like right right right. That to me is scary. Like you know like horror like sneak up like gory yeah, thrillers. Yeah. This was more of like a really interesting narrative that I thought was just really well done. But I I like the film, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And if our love needs some reviving and you ever need reminding, I got just the perfect potion for you. I've been keeping it a secret just in case someday I need it. And it feels like maybe right now I do. All you need is one thing to remember that she said our love, it will last forever. Give you just a taste to keep us together. So we're going to get into Waiting in Vain by Bob Marley. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This this song actually has a very special place in my heart. Like when I was like in, an, I think like middle school or high school, yeah. um, this was the song that my drum teacher used to teach me how to play reggae on drums. Cool. Um, so very, very, very near and dear to my heart. I still <laughs> listen to it heaps. Um, yeah. Why did you pick this one? This So similarly, like this song is just incredibly near and dear to my heart. It has like such a soothing calming effect so i remember my dad playing a lot of bob marley when i was growing up and this song always stood out to me as like really beautiful just there's something sonically that like has like a very intense effect on me 
And I remember I went to Costa Rica with my best friend when I was 14. Her family took me on vacation because she's um, an only child. (laughs) And we ended up in this really tiny little jungle town and um, we got a lot of independence there and we just wandered around and like laid in hammocks and drank beers. And, uh, and I remember listening to, I know, um, there's no drinking age in Costa Rica. Uh, but I remember just listening to like waiting in vain so much. And we were in this culture that was very, like, it was hot. It was very laid back. There was definitely like a reggae sort of like presence in this little jungle town. And yeah, I don't know. I, I, so whenever I listen to the song now as an adult, like it reminds me of that feeling of just like, um, peace and calm and, uh, yeah, sonically, I just find it like incredibly beautiful and like hopeful. And it just instantly, like if I'm feeling kind of stressed, um, or sad listening to that song makes me feel really good. Yeah. Well, and certainly like the power of music to just take you back to a certain time and place is always just astounding, right? Like it's truly, truly astounding. And it's such, such a, like hugely fascinating part of music to me that you can put on a song and it can transport you just like smelling you know a flower can be like oh that time in Italy you know like that's such a crazy cool concept yeah yeah totally like I said it's been three years since I'm knocking on your door and I still can't knock some more I wanna know now For I do not some more Yes, see In life I know There's lots of grief But your love is my relief Tears in my spirit Tears in my spirit While I'm waiting While I'm waiting um, Alright, so next we're gonna get into weird by hansen now <laughs> this is this is one that i'm not familiar with um oh, it's a great it, why song. do you yeah why do you uh why do you like this song so uh i loved hansen when i was younger hmm. and uh, my older cousin had introduced me to hansen and she flipped over a lot um and i remember that was when i was sharing bunk beds with my brother and so she would sleep over and sleep on the floor and then we'd like lie in her bed and we'd like split a headphone or like listen to it on like you know the cd player and I remember that was the, like, I have a very vivid memory of lying in bed with her and we listened to Weird and this other song called I Will Come to You by Hanson. We listened to them over and over and over and over again. And I remember crying listening to I Will Come to You because I was so obsessed with Hanson that I was like, you're not going to come to me though. You don't even know who I am. Like that was the first time I had like a very emotional response to to like music and to like a band and that to me is again like a crazy thing that music can do to you at a young age to like listen to a song and to get so emotionally involved in it and in the artists who sing it that you like cry because you're desperate to like be a part of their life but also for weird there was this really cool music video back when you could just like watch much music and like just watch music videos the music video was them and they were on like a subway train and it was filled with water and they're like swimming through the water and they're lip syncing okay. and they're like beautiful blonde hair is like um, flowing. And I just thought like, how did they do that? You know, as yeah. a kid. And I was like, how did they fill this subway with water? Like, whoa, they must be rich. Like, yeah, just like 
already at a young age being like, how did that happen? Like, right. I need to know the specifics. Um, but there was something about weird. Also, just as like a songwriter now, I love the randomness of like, I don't know if I pitched a song to a producer, like, I'm going to write a song literally that goes, isn't it weird how we all get a little bit strange, weird, how we all get a little bit weird sometimes. It's just about, isn't it weird that we get weird? And it's, I don't know, I kind of find it fascinating that that song got like released into the world. (laughs) But it's it's one of these things where it's just like, it's so simple and so yeah. silly that like you kind of can't help but relate to it almost. You know what I mean? Like it's true. Like is that more universally relatable than something that is so specific that this yeah. is a fight that I have with, with my producer Derek all the time where like, I'll be like, okay, here's this really specific story that relates yeah. to me that I want to write about. And he's like, right. But our listeners going to relate to that, which is funny. Cause now you like, you listen to like Olivia Rodrigo's album, which is like, the biggest album out right now and yeah. it's very specific to her personal experience and people love it so i would actually say that like i don't know i think if the song is good it's good but it's true sometimes when you just pick something like a really really like bracelet like, like i love my bracelet yeah because you gave it to me like that could be a hit you know yeah, yeah. bracelet i'd listen to that well, so <laughs> talk to me about, I, I want to explore the much music era um, mm. because much music is coming back and I didn't realize that it had gone away. Do you like draw any inspiration from like that kind of, like to, to me, much music has like such a particular like aesthetic, you know what I mean? Like sort of oh, strombo totally. with a studded belt and like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's Yeah, like, yeah. And also like, I remember being a kid and oh, God, I, I remember being in like grade like six and one of my best friends her babysitter danced at electric circus right and i was like she had a belly button piercing her name was colette and she danced at electric circus and i was like could you be any cooler she was so cool but like yeah it had this aesthetic of like i mean i guess it was of the time like i think it was really like at its heyday in the late 90s yeah like man much music to me was like cool the epitome of cool i remember the the like speaker's corner yeah. Where people would just go and like you put in money and then you just like get to talk about any topic and then they would maybe put you on the speaker's corner like right, segment right, right. on TV. And like, I mean, it definitely I knew that much music left, but I didn't know that it was coming back. Yeah. How? how? I don't know. So, so that's the thing is like, I don't I don't know like what much music like going away actually means. Mm. And therefore, I don't really know what it coming back <laughs> means. But I've just been seeing like. <laughs> a lot of stuff about like people saying like much music's coming back and stuff like that. Love that. I thought much music was so special. And like, as a kid who, you know, was interested in music, like that to me was like the epitome of cool. Like if you get to like, Oh my God, I remember intimate interactive where they would like open up the side glass wall and then people could go and like congregate on Queen street and watch like a live chat and performance i went to go see shaggy no big deal oh no um when i was like 12 with my cousin yeah and i was convinced that he'd like made eye contact with me and then like years later i was like i really hope he didn't (laughs) well (laughs) well it's funny like this was not with much music it was with um mtv at the masonic Mm. temple but my first concert was fallout boy at mtv live and it was a very similar kind of thing where like it was kind of you know like the, the big interview and then like you know they go behind, like they go and do the gig and stuff like yeah. that. But uh, 
I mean, I think that's a cool way of doing stuff. Like, I miss that. I think that's a fun way of watching and feeling close to a band is like watching them do a live interview. Yeah. And then like doing some songs and then doing some more questions. Like, I think that's a great platform. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll, uh, <laughs> yeah, I hope Fingers crossed. Come back. Like, yeah, exactly. Have um, me much music. I'll, make it cool. <laughs> I'll be a host. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Why not? So next up, we're going to get into uh, Slip Into Your Skin by Patrick Watson. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you like about this song? I will say, because people ask me this all the time, like, was there a moment where you knew you wanted to do music? And there actually was. And it was at a Patrick Watson concert, one of many. I have seen him play many, many times. And it was in Montreal. And uh, it was a really big concert. Like, it was an outdoor live show during the Montreal Jazz Fest. And there was hundreds of thousands of people who would come to see him and I was in the front row because I had waited eight hours in the sun and it was you know considering that I'd seen him play in a tiny church venue and then also like now in front of hundreds of thousands of people he still had this ability to make you feel like it was just you him and the piano like you could tell that he loved what he was doing and that he was so connected to his music and um I remember watching that and being like wow, like everyone in this audience is silent and like everyone is so connected to him in this moment. And I want to do that. I want to be that person on stage who creates that feeling of like connectiveness and like electricity. Um, And yeah, so he has, I mean, I love a lot of his songs, um, but there's this one song called Slip Into Your Skin. And there was just like this beautiful intimacy and honesty in, in that song. And um I actually have it tattooed. It was my first tattoo. Um, and it is impossible to read now. It just looks like a like a, a pile of mush. Right. But right. Uh, I got it in New York when I was waiting for a bus. And my friend was like, you should just get the tattoo now. And it was my writing. It was my cursive. <laughs> and it was kind of like, I think for me, that like committing to music, getting yeah. that on my body was like committing to music. And like Patrick Watson to me was just such a huge, huge influence. And it's so random because it's like a lot of people are like, oh yeah like like freaking like rolling stones man and i'm like yeah a very niche small time artist from like montreal was my like the reason that i got into music but yeah it's magical yeah well so i want to go back to what you were talking about with live performance and uh, Mm -hmm. creating intimacy in a large crowd because that strikes me as uh, as something that's a um i guess almost an insurmountable challenge in many ways Mm -hmm. like um you know obviously live shows have not been a thing for some time now but how do you approach that when you're when you're performing trying to create that sort of that sense where it's just you and like any given person in the crowd mm-hmm. it's hard it depends on the audience also like as, as someone who's opened for a lot of bands that's super hard because generally the first five rows are people who are like wearing a band name that's not yours and right, they're like right who are you? We don't want you. So it's, you have to work really hard to be like, wait, wait, I'm not the headliner, but I am good. And I will make you love me. 
Um, so yeah, it always kind of depends on what, like what, what I'm stepping into, but I, I try really hard to, um, it's just, it comes kind of naturally to me too. Like I really like kind of banter. So when I'm on stage, I generally have like stories to tell or jokes to tell. And I think that people appreciate that because it feels like, oh, she's just kind of a normal person. It's not yeah. rehearsed. And let me tell you, I've like said some weird stuff before, or like <laughs> picked on someone in the audience. Like I love yeah. to like pick someone out and be like, sorry, gentleman in the blue hat, are you bored? Because I can't help but see you yawning. And then the guy's like, mm. um, that's but yeah, super I think, great. Like, that's so yeah. bold of you, Mike. <laughs> oh no, I've done it. Yeah. And it was yeah. like, there was like, wait, what? Um, I just think it's, and people think it's funny. Like, I don't, once I was, when I was in the States on tour, like my, my zipper broke on my pants right. and they kept undoing themselves on stage. And I kept like turning around and like fiddling with my crotch. And so right. finally I was like, Hey guys, my pants are broken. In case you're wondering like <laughs> what's happening here. And then everyone laughed and like, you know, anyway, so I think that helps people feel connected to me uh, because they're like, Oh, she's actually just kind of like funny and normal. And it's not this kind of pre-rehearsed shtick. Um, and I also try to like give a little bit, because I always like seeing artists who do this, like, if the song is special to me and has a story, I'll try to tell um, a little bit of that story just to kind of be like, Hey guys, this is an important song, or this is my favorite song. This song is about a breakup. And I think that that kind of helps give like a little bit of background. Cause to me, like as a songwriter, and that's the reason like Patrick Watson and slip into your skin, like there's this line in slip into your skin that to me was like the most beautiful set of lyrics. And it was be the blanket for my bones, be a place that I call home slip into your skin and stay the night. And I was just like, man, it's amazing how you can say just a couple words and like, oh, just like yeah, really, gives you, chill. you know, totally. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I, I hope that that's something that like, uh, that's something that I try to do as well. Um, just write songs that kind of grab people. Yeah. And, and again, like to your point, like I, I feel like if the songs are good, that definitely helps. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we're going to like good music no matter what. Like, I mean, sure. I, I used to be like of the opinion that you had to be like leaping about and doing all sorts of stuff on stage. Yeah. But, um, and, and like, and I still like love going to show. That is amazing to watch. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but what kind of changed my opinion slightly was when I started getting into Oasis and like, you know, mm. those guys just stood there and yeah. like just ca like i remember when I, I saw liam gallagher play at oceaga and like i was just captivated the entire time he's not doing anything but like yeah just the the power and the strength of the songs just totally kinda... and that speaks to someone's artistry too like i have a friend who goes by the artist name of your smith she is like i'm biased because i know her personally and she's an amazing person but i she came to toronto and i came to her show i finally got to see her play live and it was actually just her on stage wow. backing track with a guitar and then she'd play she'd like do this kind of like dj set as well where she'd like she like would all of a sudden segue from one of her songs and she'd match the bpm to this like beyonce song and then all of a sudden she went from her song into love on top right. but like had matched the bpm so it was this seamless and like and then all of a sudden she's like playing the guitar and like it was like when you see someone who is on stage by themselves and and they're like just like commanding an audience with their personality and their talent like you you you're like i will come back to see this person and i yeah. will bring 10 of my friends you know so yeah 100 testament to their talent yeah yeah it was a similar experience that i had when i saw um steve lacy at the mm. at the phoenix in toronto like i, I was expecting like he, he's the type of guy who could easily like you know go up there with like a like a really cool band and stuff but it was the same totally. kind of thing like everything was just kind of backing tracks and looped and it but it was like 
captivating as anything, right? Like that, you know, that guy just keeps you. I've seen Charles Bradley quite a few times and I saw him at the Phoenix and I brought my parents and man, talk about commanding an audience and stage presence. That man would walk on stage and his band was also so cool. Right. And he would just walk on stage and be like, brothers and sisters, I love you. And I remember in Copenhagen, he got off the stage and spent 20 minutes hugging people in the audience, like just, just hugging people. And I was like, Oh, like moments like that. You're just like, what a magical evening. Like, I just love unpredictable, you know, performances. Cause not only the music good, but then like the person's like, you got a story to tell and yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, Damien Abraham from fucked up always used to do that. Like when I would go, Oh man, that was fucked up shows were so good. (laughs) But I was also like never in the mosh pit. I was like, no, no, I don't want to break my arm. (laughs) Well, they're, they're playing the, they're playing the great hall in 2022 and the great hall is like the first place I ever saw them. And like, so that's going to be a, that's going to be epic. I remember seeing them at, at, uh, I think at the Danforth and then, or maybe it was a great hall, but also at an outdoor show during North by, and right. like it was wild because like people just get in and go crazy. Like my friend like got her arm broken in the mosh pit, which was like yeah. Who's sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like what I would give for that again. You know, like, I, I feel know. like I was getting to a point where I was too old for it, but now it's been yeah, so yeah. long that like you're like careful my bones. Yeah, exactly. a place that I call. Slipped into your skin and spent the Cause I feel like a different man I feel it when I'm with Um, all right, let's uh, let's get into Joni Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard to know where to begin with Joni Mitchell, but but like, what do you what do you like about uh, Case of You? Um, to me, like, I picked Case of You just because I think it's one of the the most well known Joni songs. Um, and again, I think the lyrics are so smart. To me, like, Case of You is just like me being like Joni Mitchell is all her songs are amazing. She is one of the most influential talented artists of our time I would say I'm reading her autobiography again right now and um you know it's interesting I'm sure that the the, like the guy who who wrote it with her is biased but like you know from what I understand when she was up and coming in the 70s even like the biggest artists the biggest male artists were like this woman is insane the way that she tunes on stage and she'll just all of a sudden just do this open tuning crazy thing and kind of tell a story as she's tuning so you don't even realize that she's tuning and then she I think she just like really paved the way for for female musicians and and case of you to me is like such a smart concept of comparing how much she loves someone because the idea of writing a love song is it's intimidating it's like how how can you say something that's been said a million times new how do you say it with a fresh perspective and she did she like compared it to how, the amount I, that I, I love you is like, you know, like I could drink a case of you. I love you that much. And and at the same time, she also tells this very beautiful Joni story where she like talks about Canada and she hits these notes. And like, it's just 
to me such a perfect piece of artistry. Like I remember listening to that song when I was a kid, because again, like my mom played a lot of Joni Mitchell and then listening to it again as a teenager and a girl that I knew did a cover of it. And I was like, I know this song. What is this song? And I remember she did such a good, good job covering it that I became re-obsessed. And um, I just sang it at my uh, childhood best friend's mom's funeral last year. My friend played it for me and I sang it. And now it has like, you know, that attached to it because it was a really um, important song to my friend's mom. And um, uh, I, don't, I just don't understand if you, like, I don't, I don't think you could listen to that song and not appreciate it. Yeah, yeah of course. Like, uh, <laughs> and, and like, that's, that's all it needs to be said, I guess. Like, honestly. Like, yeah, truly. Runs. Joni Mitchell's songwriting is truly brilliant. Truly brilliant. So we're going to get into uh, another favorite of mine, um, Can I Kick It by Tribe <laughs> Called Quest. Um, you know, just an absolute classic, but uh, but what do you like about this song? So, like, alternatively, I listened to a lot of folk music growing up with my parents, but my brother was very into hip-hop. So I grew up being introduced to, um, like, Tribe, um, Black Moon, Most Def, Talib, um, a lot of like really good like 90s hip hop and um, and like I think yeah Tribe to me was it was like narrative songwriting in a way you know like there were all these really cool stories and I loved how much personality and character went into the songs and how each uh, member of the band got to kind of put in their own like style and that you could differentiate who was who I remember me and my so when I was I think probably like 14 or 15 uh, me and my best friend would just obsessively listen to this song and we learned all the words i knew all the words so like every tribe song well not every but a lot like the sort of the, the main ones and so to me like this song is so high school it's, it's such good memories of being like 14 and wearing my like low jeans and like walking around on blur street because there was nothing else to do during the summer but you wanted to like see and be seen and we would just listen to um to this song and then later also when I was like in my um I was like 21 I used to go to this trivia at the Ossington and one of the questions was like a fill in the blank for the lyrics to can I kick it and I was like guys I got this I know this song inside out so we submitted our answer the guys running the trivia were like wrong this is the here's the lyrics and I was like, no, I contest you. You're wrong. <laughs> and I went up and it was like these two guys who were like, we know what we're doing. And I went up and I was like, let's listen to the song together. I know I'm right. Right. And I was right. There you go. I was right. What a, so what a way to show like, up. That's great. Right? Yeah. They didn't, they didn't see it coming. They was like, this this bitch thinks she knows try. And I was like, wait. <laughs> so anyways, it's, it's just funny. I, th- I feel like a lot of people don't, don't know that I have, that I grew up with a lot of hip hop in my life. And 
Um, and it still, it's like a large part of what I listen to. I love R&B. I love hip hop. And, um, I'm always trying to figure out how I can like kind of incorporate it into my own music, um, in a cohesive way because, uh, it's such a big passion and such a big part of my like musical upbringing. Yeah. So something that I find like really interesting just in terms of like the evolution of my own music taste, um, is like songs that can kind of act as a bridge where like you know like for the longest time like electronic dance music i was just not having it right like i was like Mm. very much like a rock and roll purist like thinking for that shit but like recently getting into bands like new order and then like the chemical brothers and and Mm. then like daft punk and fat boy slim like it's they've kind of served Mm. as like a bridge into music that i once would not have you know given the time of day yeah. Is the 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 sample in this song, the Lou Reed sample, is that mm-hmm. like something that allowed you to sort of did did it function almost in the same way? No, I didn't even know. Right. I didn't even know that it was a sample <laughs> okay. until I was like twenty. Right. You know? And I remember listening to like a Lou Reed album of my farm with my family and I was like, What? He stole this from no. Uh, no, but I think that that's a cool concept that yeah. like maybe, you know, genre bending, mixing genres could be a cool way to to kind of like slowly and gently show people different sides of a music genre. Because yeah. I think you're right. Like sometimes like it's easy for us to be like, oh, I don't listen to contemporary country. I don't listen to contemporary country for the most part. Except for like Casey Musgraves, who isn't really, she's like country pop. But, you know, if you were to like, like I listen to old country. Yeah. I appreciate and like, I listen to like, you know, Bonnie Raitt um, and listen to Williams. So like, I don't know if there's like a way to kind of like broaden people's minds by kind of like segueing them slowly through different right, right, ways. Right. I think that's a cool idea. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, you know just on, on new country, that's certainly been like one of the one of the funny sort of side effects of doing this show is that I've come to appreciate new country because people yeah. like um, we had uh, arrow from Starcrawler on the show and she picked like a, like a very new Dolly Parton song and it's like super overproduced and super cheesy, mm-hmm. but like you kind of can't help but love it. Like it's so yeah. like, it's just so and you're good. like, Oh my God, I think I like, I think I'll listen to this again. You're <laughs> yeah. like kind of shocked. Yeah, for sure. I think like, I don't know. Like I, I try to, I try to be really open-minded when it comes to like, even actually last weekend I was at a cottage with a couple of my girlfriends and I forgot the two of them like contemporary country. And we were like hanging out and all of a sudden I was like, Oh, that's what we're listening to. Okay, cool. cool. <laughs> and instead of being like, let's change it. I was like, I'm going to see if there's like, you know, bits and pieces that I can appreciate. And I want to find like, cause I trust their taste in music. I mean, I like my music, so. Um, right, right, right. But I was like, how, how, what do we like about this? Let's like, explore it. So I'm trying to learn. I'm gone. Can I kick it to all the people who can quest like a tribe does? Before this, did you really know what live was? Comprehend to the track force, why? Cause getting mentions on the tip of the vibe buzz. Rock and roll to the beat of the funk fuzz. Wipe your feet really good on the rhythm rug. If you feel the urge to freak, do the jitterbug. Come and spread your arms if you really need a hug. Afrocentric living is a big shrug. A life filled with... That's what I love A lower plateau is what we're above If it diss us, we won't even think of We'll nip of the dog and give a big shove This rhythm really fits like a snug glove Like a box of positives, it's a plus love As the trial flies high like a dove 
All right, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up with uh, with your song Tommy. Um, and I read an interview that you did where you were talking about this song, um, and it kind of fascinated me, like this idea that Tommy is almost like like a placeholder uh, yeah. in a way. And it and it kind of gets to this idea that we were talking about earlier about like sort of writing in a way where you can kind of where people can kind of like like everyone has a Tommy almost, you know what I mean? Like exactly. where people can listen to it and, um, and kind of, you know, put their own experiences in the context of the song. Um, walk me through what, uh, what that process was like for sort of like settling on this, like this idea of like this sort of this person, this like placeholder of sorts. Well, okay. So I'd always me and Derek, my producer, I, I, like had created a list when we had first started fleshing out what we wanted the album or the EP to sound like. And I had a list of a couple of goals that I've, that I've had for years that I haven't quite achieved yet. And one of them was I really want, and I've been trying to do this. I really want to have a song where the hook is someone's name. It's like such a timeless, like rock and roll kind of trope, yeah. you know? And so he was like, okay, cool. Let's, 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 let's throw out some name ideas. And um, we ended up settling on Tommy just because we had kind of come up with this like cute rhyme, Tommy, do you want me? Um, but I also am very, and try to be increasingly so aware of, um, of making songs that feel universally relatable right, and aren't too heteronormative, like aren't yeah. so based on like hetero relationships. Cause I, I, right. I know a lot of my listeners um, come from like the queer community and I want the idea of Tommy to be less about this specific because it's actually not I didn't have this like there isn't a real Tommy I don't it's not about a person I wanted it to be about that feeling of like when you show up to like an event or a party or a bar and you have that immediate connection with someone where you just lock eyes because I think a lot of us if not all of us have had that in their lives you know where you you see someone and you're like oh little little thing here and then you know you kind of lose sight of them and um it's not that like you're like oh god i have to find them or else i'm gonna be like nothing without them you know but uh you kind of do get like a little bit like kind of like they just they stay in your head and you're like oh what's that person what's that person and i I, it's almost like this kind of cinderella story um like i guess another kind of like really common relatable yeah like uh, universal trope so I, I wanted it to be kind of more about the experience of of like this kind of like flirt infatuation than it was about one person and it, it's funny how many people are like who is Tommy like give yeah, us the yeah. tea like who is Tommy and I'm like I don't there's no tea to be had my friends it's just uh Tommy is a metaphor <laughs> yes yes exactly. you know <laughs> well yeah I mean it, it's something that uh, and I feel like I said this on the show a lot recently where it's just like I am not a songwriter and mm-hmm. and I am like profoundly incapable of writing songs like I I have tried and I have failed many many times so like I this, don't I, believe it don't believe it I think <laughs> you can write a really good song too. I'll, I'll keep cracking at it but like in in the meantime I'm just endlessly fascinated by like learning how people do this thing where like they they will like write about and and like a feeling in a mm. way that just everyone can put their their own kind of experiences into, which I, I just I just find that to be like the coolest thing in the world. Mm. Yeah, I think like um, maybe it's more challenging sometimes, but at the same time, like I also think maybe it's it's almost easier than 
trying to pick a topic that could be really like close to home or, or yeah, yeah like yeah. personal, you know, kind of like my biggest challenge is actually trying to, especially when we're trying to write for radio, pick something that isn't super niche, that isn't super specific um, and, and make it more like one of the songs on my new EP is called strawberry meltdown. Right. And it's, it's great actually just, <laughs> um, it's about a hot day in the yeah. suburbs and that's it. It's like, it's about how, like when it's really hot, everything starts kind of like waving and like melting and you get kind of tripped out. And, um, it was fun to write something with like less emotional yeah. gravitas, you know, like I was like, Oh, it can just kind of be like weird and fun. And it doesn't have to be like, and then I want to make sure that we talk about this part. Cause that was a super important moment. And, you know, so, um, just I, less draining. Yeah, it is. And also even as a performer, it can be very draining performing emotionally weighty songs, depending on what mood you're in, you know, performing a song every night where you're like, this is a personal breakup song. This is a true story. Like it can kind of take a toll on you um, and on your mental health. So sometimes it's nice to be like, this song is about nobody. And we're going to just have a dance party, you know, like gravity is about nobody and it's just fun and light. And we get to just run around and like, I think people will kind of feel that that like lightness sometimes. So it's it's good to have both, and it's a, perpe- a perpetual challenge for me. But I am I'm in like enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So we have come to the end of the show where you get to plug uh, your latest releases, your socials, all Woo! all the things that everyone is just always loves hearing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, and, and always loves plugging. Um, get, take it away. What? Uh, where can the people check you out? So the best place to check me out is on my website, www.songsbyralph.com. You can buy tickets to my upcoming tour. That's right. I said it tour, which is on uh, my Canada tour is happening in November. And then I'm doing some American dates in January. Um, my Toronto show is at the Phoenix on December 30th. So it's basically like a new year's show slash party. Wow. Um, so yeah, you can buy tickets on songsareoff.com. Um, you can watch my videos on there too. I have two new videos out for Tommy and love potion. They're both very fun lots of fashion, lots of story. We worked very hard to make them visually compelling. My little brother shot, um, shot Tommy actually. And my parents helped paper mache some planets for uh, love potion. So family matters over here. Um, and you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, very easy to find songs by Ralph. That is me. Love it. Please follow me on TikTok. I'm really trying to make it out there, guys. 
I yeah. post videos that have very little to do about my music. The best ones, the ones that go viral are the ones where I'm like just being an idiot and have nothing to do with me as an artist. So Which I feel like is just the curse of TikTok, right? Is For sure. Like the if I'm like, you don't hey want to go viral, go I'm viral. a musician. Here's my music video. People are like, don't care. But if I'm like, hey, here's a meme about me dating skateboarders. People are like, give me more. <laughs> give me more. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for taking the time. No problem. And listen to my, right, my EP Gradients comes out early July. So. Perfect. Gradients when it comes out. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much to Ralph for joining us this week. As always, you can find full versions of this show wherever you get your podcasts or at havingachat.com. The show is produced by myself, Alex Anderson, and Hillary Johnston. Social media and marketing materials are done by Pedro Walker. So don't forget to check us out on social media at havingachat. Theme music is composed by Duncan Briggs and Sugarglass. And if you have time, please feel free to rate us on your podcast app of choice. It really helps us out. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.